You know they're doing that, right? Yeah. They're undoing one more day. Well, they're undoing a lot of things, but that's a clone saga. Yeah, they're redoing the clone saga to undo one more day, which is just... I don't want to go so far as to say as they're redoing the clone saga. They're doing a clone saga again. <laughs> it's just Jackal's involved and there are clones involved. That doesn't mean that it's the, cl- the clone saga. A clone saga. A clone saga. Will it even AKA... really be a saga? <laughs> Hasn't saga taught us what a real saga is? <laughs> also, like, how do you... Th- I get, like, all right, DC saying we're going to redo the death of Superman because we sold a lot of comics. Like six times now. Right. But the Clone Wars is universally despised, not just by fans, but the people that created it came up with a blog about what a terrible experience it was and how it got out of hand. I've I've learned something uh, over this weekend. What was that? Um, some of the Ute of today, mm-hmm. um, when they were y- Uter than they are now, <laughs> um, like that was one of the first things that they kind of read for Spider-Man. So the clone saga is like a thing. It's like okay. it's like a piece of lore. Like, did you guys read the clone saga when it first came out? Someone asked me that. And I was <laughs> like, yeah. Why? <laughs> How come no one talks about Ben Riley anymore? Because he's fucking dead for thirty years. What do you What do you mean? But he's a really cool character. I'm like, it closed Peter Parker. What's so good about him? What's good about that? I don't know. I mean. Isn't it cool to have two Peter Parkers running around? We have Miles Morales. He's way cooler. Why do we need that? So, you know, some people, some people really think that there's a reason. Anthony. Yeah. How come nobody talks about young blood anymore? <laughs> Welcome to Vex Men? Yeah. The Vexmen podcast is meant to be informative, entertaining, and hyperbolic, and should not be taken literally or into account when doing your taxes. Sorry. You can write us off as in you'll never listen to us again, but you can't write us off on your W-2s. The Vexmen believe there's room for all tastes and all opinions in comics, except maybe for those parents who tell their young daughters that they can't read Simpsons comics because they're too racy. Somebody oh, no. doesn't like four-fingered yellow people. <laughs> Go back to Springfield! All right, so this week we are going to talk about... Lock and Key. <clears throat> 15 hours of Lock and Key I listened to to get ready for this show. Because yeah. I thought I'd switch it up, and instead of reading the comics, I listened to the, I lost in the audiobook. So yeah. Let's do this. All right. Oh, no, we did this last week. We, we had... Yeah. We had Scott about? Woods, who's a librarian from Columbus, talked about it. He was way smarter than any of us. Very at all. smart. He was very Super smart. smart. Wait a minute. I wasted 15 hours listening to a fucking audiobook and you brought a smart person on here? Yep. Son of a bitch. So this week, instead of lock and key, since we've already discussed it, even Damn though it. Anthony won't listen to it, we'll be talking about Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur from Marvel Comics because okay. not enough people are talking about this amazing comic. That came out in Graphic Novel Volume 1 form this week. I listened to that audiobook too. Yeah, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur is from Marvel Comics. It is by Brandon Montclair and Amy Reeder, are the writers. The artist is Natasha Bustos. She does um, a good job. Yeah. She does everybody does a good job in this book. I love Ms. Marvel. Ms. Mm-hmm. Marvel is wonderful. Yeah. I love Squirrel Girl. Yeah. 
I don't understand why this book isn't as big as both of those books because it is just as awesome. If not slightly more awesome because, spoiler alert, dinosaur. Yeah, absolutely. Dinosaur. I'm a huge fan of the kid with the large sidekick that is uh, unruly. Yeah. You know, uh, Iron Giant. There was that book Sentinel a while ago in the early 2000s. Oh, yeah. yeah. I liked that. That was was fun. So this is like right in my wheelhouse. It's drawn wonderfully. It's written wonderfully. And she's an inhuman. She knows she's an inhuman, but she hasn't inhumanized yet. So there's this um, great like undercurrent of, ooh, and I'm going to get power soon. But as she's well like as having completely the terrified of getting powers. Absolutely. And, like and who wouldn't be? Teen, her, not teen, she's like nine, her nine year old girl genius powers to try to stop herself from transforming. And she's a genius. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. super smart. She's funny. There's lots of references to other characters in the Marvel Universe that aren't in this. Mm-hmm. Nobel Prize winning work by Dr. Moira Taggart. There you go. Still bitter about Brian Singer. So, yeah, this is a story about a young girl who's wicked smart. She's uh, in the Jimmy Neutron trope where she is obviously a genius but still has to go to school because all of her genius involves making wacky but extremely useful inventions. Of <laughs> um, varying degrees of wackiness. Yeah. Some of hers are like pretty cool and some of them are like, that's literally like a boxing glove attached to a thing. But all right, <laughs> you go. You rock it. You're nine years old. So she comes up with, is that a piece of, she thinks it's Cree technology? She's, yeah. yeah, she's using technology to try and make sure that the Terrigen Mist don't show up when she's outside because she has the inhuman gene and she doesn't want to become an inhuman. Right. Um, but unfortunately, her little device interacts with another device from... There was a comic in the 70s called Moon Boy and Devil Dinosaur. Yes, it's a Kirby deal. So, so it's, it's way, way, way in the past, but something about her little device in the current time interacts with a device that Moon Boy has way, 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 way long ago, and it opens a portal to our time. Whoops. And a bunch of, essentially, at first they appear to be like cavemen. Yeah. Come through the portal being chased by Devil Dinosaur. Yes. And they show up in gym class where she is uh, not using a regulation dodgeball, as her coach tells her. And it appears at least one of these cavemen definitely have a top knot. Man bun, cliche very, before you. Yeah, very, very hip, very hip uh, back in the back in the day. But those guys, they start figuring stuff out awfully quick. Yeah, yeah. they're pretty smart. I wonder if it's a side effect of the Nightstone. The Nightstone's the magic thing that creates the portal, and she ends up with it. It's not clear what it is nope. at all, or what it does. Nope. But, but she thinks it's a Cree thing. Then they get involved in the one of my favorite tropes of kid superheroes or kid geniuses in that the parents are really, really concerned that something is going to go awry and the kid's like, but I'm way smarter than you yeah. and then me and this dinosaur. See, we're going to go through the city and we're going to solve crimes. Although at first she's like, dinosaur, get away from me. You suck. Yeah. And then, of course, she gets uh, not really kidnapped so much as contained or restrained. Yeah by the people that came through the portal. And she needs the dinosaur's help. And the dinosaur, right there. Dinosaur and her become BFFs. Which is the name of this collection. What? What? Title job. And yeah, it's it's a fun adventure comic that I really don't understand why more people aren't talking about. Totally awesome Hulk is in it. Yep. It's true. And he's like a jerk, and it's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's very appealing. 
And this and Ms. Marvel are the only two books that feature in humans that are worth reading. Yeah, that's true. Is it just, does, does Totally Awesome Hulk kind of, is he mansplaining a little bit? Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, yeah. he really is. He's really like being, he, well, a, being so a he's tool. what, 15? Yes, and the eighth smartest person on the planet. Yeah, so he's talking down to this nine-year-old in precisely the way a douchebag 15-year-old would talk down to a nine-year-old. Yeah. I like, because he's like, I'm the eighth smartest person in the world. And she's like, whatever. I accidentally brought a dinosaur through a space portal from the past. Yeah. <laughs> do I care about your problems? Yeah, I got shit to do today. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't say that because she's nine. But that's what's going through her mind. I mean, it's apparent. Yeah. It's apparent. That's that's what's on her face. Those are glasses. Those are glasses that are on her face. But yeah, there's glasses too. She's very cute. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And her little superhero outfit that she eventually makes up is also adorable. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. it's, it's like definitely amazing. what a nine-year-old would come up with. Right down to the boxing glove. And so she ends up... Unfortunately, encountering the Terrigen Mists, and thus spoilers. I, I mean, you should read this. That it's not a plot spoiler. It's not the end of the Moon Girl saga. No. Uh, in fact, it's, it's only the, the beginning. End of the beginning. Oh. Um. But yeah. Uh. Volume Isn't two. Pay per view called that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well. Volume two is going to be awesome because do you know what her powers are, Anthony? I don't. She and the dinosaur switch brains. Stop it. So you're going to have a super smart dinosaur and a tiny nine-year-old with massive behavior problems. Magic. Yeah. No, no. This book is amazing. Where do you go from there? That's extraordinary. I'm excited to see where you go from there. Seriously. I mean, you're obviously going to have girl with smart dinosaur versus smart Hulk. It obviously has to happen. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. But I think this ties into... The characters that first came through with Devil Dinosaur. Oh, yeah. And them get, seeming to get smarter. I feel like Devil Dinosaur's brain in Moon Girl's body has to eventually get a little bit smarter over time. Like, but why would that be? He's still a reptile. He wasn't smart. Here's the thing they weren't dumb. They were probably smart in their own time period. Mm-hmm. And then coming through the portal, they are comparatively, they seem slow. Well, it's mostly that they pick up language yes. so fast that yeah. it makes them seem really smart. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, like that's by the talking. end of this book, they're like familiar with the New York mm-hmm. like cultural scene. Yeah. But the dinosaur is still going, rah, rah! well, probably not like that. It's more of a, yeah. Um, he has, he's not like, Actually, like the smart gremlin from the new batch. Yeah, that's that's what I'm waiting for. I mean, so does does Moon Girl in Devil Dinosaur's brain speak like that? No. Oh, does Devil Dinosaur like grow like lips so that she can like talk proper? I don't believe that's addressed. Dinosaur lips. That's something. That's something. I to look forward dated to. someone like that. I called Stop that. Stop it. <laughs> Adam just left. How dare you, sir? Walking out and I'm never coming back. <laughs> I'm gonna go find dinosaur lips and make my life special. There's also the I'm a dinosaur and maybe I don't have a voice box. That's a oh. possibility also. Yeah. So they may, maybe they play it off as there's a psychic link. Could be. I feel like that was the old Moon Boy Devil Dinosaur story. There's that. There's also, wasn't it a psychic link with the raptor character and Runaways? In Runaways. Yeah. Yeah, yeah our snicking old lace. So Moon Girl Devil Dinosaur, awesome. Uh, super cute. Really good. And, like, even though it's definitely a story that you could give to young kids, um, unlike some other things aimed at younger people, it's actually really readable. Yeah. yeah. For all ages. Like, it's a genuine all ages book. Yes. That's fun and smart 
and um, lives it's nestled well in the Marvel universe yeah. whereas Squirrel Girl is not so much <laughs> at like the, as Mystery. much as I enjoy you know the interpretation of Galactus the interpretation of Craven yeah you know like that's it's a lot of fun in the context of that book it doesn't really fit the greater Marvel universe no. all that well right whereas this is very much like yep we're here as you said about Ms. Marvel I think it's an interesting building block to have two female characters of color coming out of the Inhumans in yeah. solo books doing their own thing that aren't really related to the greater Inhuman story. Right. It's okay that Camilla's hanging out with the Avengers these days. Like, I think that's a natural progression for how long the character's been around. Yeah. It's fascinating that this is the angle that they're taking, um, even though almost everything else they've done with the Inhumans is... Um, Boring. Shit. Yeah. yeah. Let's take things we did with the X-Men and make them worse. Yeah. Yay. And X-Men is <laughs> already so bad. Yeah, we'll have, but we'll have Beast come over, so everything will be fine. And Johnny. We're sort of from space, yep. <laughs> but also from Earth. So it's weird because, like, uh, I forget everyone's, like, relation, but, like, so Johnny used to go out with Crystal, but Crystal yep. cut her hair, but Johnny's doing it with Medusa now. Somehow there's, like, familial stuff going on there, and Johnny's just, you know, being a whore. Yep. Well, plus Quicksilver has a daughter with Medusa? With Crystal. With Crystal, sorry. Yeah. Who may or may not be dead by being overexposed to Terrigen Mists. Oh. I don't that, remember that what happened with that story. but Decimation. Was, yeah, because he like went through Terrigenesis and it yeah. didn't kill him because that's not what that did at the time or something. Right. But he had like a secondary mutation or a third dairy mutation where he was like time sure. traveling with... Yeah. yeah. He's time traveling with his running stuff, like he entered the speed force or something ridiculous. Pretty interesting. Could to be. be time traveling with speed. No. But that's not how comics work. No. They I'm, don't take cool things and make them better. No. no. I've been on speed. I didn't time travel. <laughs> I've never been on speed. I've never time traveled. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to approach the speed of light. Yep. Yeah, I'd recommend this to pretty much everybody. Oh, yeah. Are, yeah. We, are we doing? Yeah. It's absolutely. It's a good book for your kids and for your grandma. And it's yeah. fun. Like, don't it's you just want to read art a fun it book? It's awesome. Yeah. yeah the art, like, yeah. How do you look at this first cover of her kissing the dinosaur and not think, I would like to own that book? Yeah. It's adorable. And it's really brightly colored. Um, and it's just like, it's a fun, lighthearted story that has a few more serious moments, but still just kind of sticks to like being really fun. Yeah. Here's okay. So if you really only read like Spawn and Deadpool, I guess you wouldn't necessarily like Moon Girl. So to briefly talk about other things that are in the realm of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur that are relatively recent, read that are relatively recent. Um, there's a book by Faith Aaron Hicks called Nameless City. Faith Aaron Hicks is so good, guys. <laughs> She's amazing. Have you read that one yet? I have not read this one. Uh, it's it's about a city that doesn't have a name. And uh, it gets a strong, really? yeah, as, as that's, it says in the title. It is what it says it is, just like Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, although she is not the moon. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's an avatar joke no. that nobody else is in on but me. No. Are you in on I that thought, joke? I, uh, but yeah, she's, so she's not the moon, but she's a girl named Lunella. This does actually remind me of Avatar. Uh, some of that is that it's obviously inspired by like Asian culture. And the people um, who created Avatar blurbed that book. Um, so yeah, Nameless City, Faith Aaron Hicks is a great writer. Yeah. It's a good-looking story. It's so good. The storytelling via the art is excellent. Yeah. And you don't necessarily see that all the time 
in comics, period, uh, even less, I would say, in kids' books, depending on, um, you know, the quality of creator. So I can't think of a drawback to Nameless City. I think, like, you know, maybe you hate kids' books. Maybe you are a racist and or misogynist, and it's not really for you. It's a fun story. And it's part one of who knows how many it's going to become the franchise, the yeah. Faith Aaron Hicks franchise. Oh, you know what you should do? Release it in black and white. Then the racists wouldn't have a problem with it. Be fine. Oh, there you go. You know, there you go. I don't like no, it in color, but, but in black and white, so it's terrific. Good. I don't see color. <laughs> I, I see. Literally that, everything oh my God, are dogs racists? Rhino recovery. Oh, the coloring is by Jordi Belair. Uh, Jordi Belair. Yeah, it, the color is beautiful. Um, yeah, and Faith Aaron Hicks takes advantage of the sort of silent moments that you can have in comics. Yeah. Um, which is piggybacking what Anthony is saying about the storytelling. Well, it's um, nice that it's an original graphic novel because you can you, you can paste those moments into the book a lot a lot easier and a lot better than in a twenty page comic. Right. Yeah. You know, twenty page floppy. If you have a page of someone taking a character beat. Of silence, it feels like you're like flushing money down the toilet. Yeah. Whereas, in the context of an original graphic novel, it's just it's so much more ingrained in the story. It's wonderful. So that is a super successful thing that's in the same family as Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. A slightly less successful one that came out that I was excited about is Matt Kent and Brian Hurt's Poppy in the Last Lagoon. Yeah. And so it's it's an adventure story where a girl and her grandfather. Yeah, I think so older white dude are adventurers and they're working for Tutankhamun, the ancient Egyptian who is trapped forever in an eight-year-old body in an apartment in New York. That's a funny concept. I couldn't keep reading the story because of the watercolors, which you said you had the same problem, right? Yes, I like Matt Kent. Yeah, I love Matt Kent. I like Matt Kent a lot. And the augmentation of his style for this book um, in the line work, in the black and white, I really liked. Yeah. But one of the things about something like mind management where coloring and letting that get muddy works extremely well in that context. Yeah. For me, it didn't work in this context. But I was thinking about this and maybe I'm an idiot. Could kids like that muddy look? Is that possible? Am it I is. so ignorant as to think like kids just want things that are brightly colored and shiny? It seemed it seems like a really limiting uh, idea to put to just assume that that's the case. I don't know. I really like the watercolor. Oh, okay. Ooh, um, here we go. I mean, not necessarily the uh, palette. I think the palette is maybe a little dark mm-hmm. and it does get muddy, but I really like that you can see the texture and see, like, in the background, like, a lot of the different watercolor techniques that he's using. I don't know. I think it's fun to realize that something, like, was actually drawn by somebody mm. in, like, a really obvious way. But I could definitely see why there are some like areas where the color scheme kind of gets away from him and it does just kind of all blur together. It's but there's an, also a lot of fun things. And it's an interesting story. You know, at one point they're they're in this lost city trying to solve one of the riddles that they get at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And it becomes apparent that the old dude has been there before. And then they solve another one of those riddles. And you know how um we're back to Avatar again. Uh in the earthbending city. There was the, you went through the, down the mail slots, 
know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like the giant, oh, yeah. they were like water slides with no water. Yeah. Well, here they've got the water in them, and it's kind of like Venice, but all through the city you're just like going down these giant water slides and gondolas. And they, they end up in the place like where the, they need to meet this person that's going to help them solve the quest. And it turns out to be a woman that was wronged by the old man. Not like, not that he broke her heart, not that kind of wrong, but like he was in the city before and did something bad. He stole something he shouldn't have or something like that. And they got a, they got a amscray. So yeah, it's, it's fun. I just, I wasn't into the watercolors on this. Whereas you're right. I was all about the watercolors in Mind Migment. Yeah. I think this is something that I'm still going to try and recommend to people. Yeah. And see if the kids bite. Because the more I pay Don't attention... Don't bite, children. Not Biting is lit- bad. Not in a literal sense. What I, I realize more and more as I've kind of <clears throat> been hanging around the comic shops more and going to a little more conventions and just trying to expand what it is that I'm paying attention to, not just the comics that I want to buy... Kids can be very particular about exactly what they want and exactly what they don't fucking want. We had a little girl that was in here today that yeah. was just like her as her dad said like she's she's had strong opinions since she was 2 and sometimes it's a pain in the ass but mostly it's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> um and yeah, he was just like, "Hey, Princeless is what we recommend to everyone." He was like, what do you think of this? And she was like, not really my thing. Yeah. Oh, my God, Archie is the best thing in the world. New Archie. Yeah, not old Archie, new Archie. New Archie. Yeah. She read the Mark, Mark Wade Archie and was like, this. I want this in my eyeballs all the time. What did, she, did she say? What did she say that I almost cried? Was it I love? I dream comics. Yeah, she said, yeah. She's sitting on the ground, flipping through Archie. She looks up at me and she just goes, I dream comics. And I was like, you're a fucking miracle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which was better than you weren't in here for the hyper, the eight hyper children that Kelly was here for while you were oh, gone. No. Well, that came in and that's like, too many. Oh my god, comics! Comics are my favorite thing. I love comics; they're the best. And then a, another girl came in, she's like, Archie, Archie comics! Oh my god, I have all of them except for that one. Daddy, I want that one. And the dad was like, "You kids are too hyper. We're getting the hell out of here." <laughs> <laughs> they left, and both Kelly and I were like, "Yeah, no, those kids were way too hyper." Yeah. Well, I mean, that happens sometimes. They just came probably from the cannoli factory down yeah, the street. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, those those are a couple of books that sort of fall into that category. Also, if you're looking for strong, young female protagonists that we have talked about, yeah. can't go wrong with Z to the Space Girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you're that one awesome little strong-headed girl, you can't go wrong with Princeless. Oh. <laughs> uh, Amulet? There are more options. It's not that there are enough options, but there are more options. Oh, Gunner Creek Court. More Gunner every Creek week, Court. Gunner Creek Court. Cleopatra in space. And Nimona. Nimona's a little older, though. Like 12, 13? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. So uh, some number one comics came out this week. They sure did. Uh, where do we want to start? Austin, where would you like to start? Um, We could start with a number two. <gasps> there is a second issue that came out this week that's better than... the. All of the number ones that came out this week? Uh, yeah, yeah, an argument could be made that that's There's the some case. good number ones. Um, but we talked about how much we liked Nighthawk when number one came out, but we weren't and sure. And no one's buying it. Yeah, no one's buying it. We weren't sure where it was going to go. Yeah. But now we all know where it's going to go. For sure. It's defined Buy on the first Nighthawk. page of the second issue. Buy yeah. Nighthawk. Yeah. <laughs> Nighthawk's so good. <laughs> it's really good. It is Black Batman yeah. versus the corrupt police department. Yes. And white supremacists. And white supremacists. Yeah. 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 So if you want to make a book that makes a point socially, 
Because Frank Miller did it too with the fixer, even though we didn't agree with it. Yeah. Holy Terror is a political statement. Oh Nighthawk yeah. is a political statement. Yeah. Midnighter is a political statement. Yep. So you take your Batman, you take the horns off, and then you write your Batman doing political things. And yeah. there you go. This fucking guy is spectacular. Yeah. He's my, and I like Midnighter, but I prefer Nighthawk now. Uh, yeah, this is a really interesting interpretation. Really interesting. Marvel is publishing this in their mainline universe. Yeah. This isn't like an alternate universe book. This is like Black Batman takes on the cops in what basically amounts to Chicago. I think it is actually just Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Because they don't usually make up fake places except for the Savage Land and and, uh, Genosha. Yeah. Genosha is not real. I guess Latveria is not really real either. I like to think it is. Anyway, um, so cities in America tend to be real. So, yeah, he's in Chicago just like. Wait, fuck, New York City fucking is real? people up. You son of a bitch. Yeah, this issue opens with him um, nearly breaking a cop's arm because he's beating the shit out of someone who doesn't deserve to get the shit beat out of him. Yeah. A criminal. Yes. Someone who did a petty crime. Yes. Did not deserve to get beat to death with a fucking uh, nightclub. Yeah. Billy club. Whatever yeah. club you want. It's pretty spectacular. The art in it is really interesting also. Yeah. I think I mean I said this um, last time. It reminds me of Nick Patera who does um Manhattan projects to some yeah. degree. The color scheme is very interesting. Um and I love the colors. Yeah. In this book. Especially um, at night when he's active. It's very, you know, pol- very policey. Yeah. Um and I think it changes slightly depending on whether or not it's from his perspective. Like yes. I think the red panels are through his like night goggles. Not always. But maybe not. But I think in that instance, I think there's a police car nearby. Oh, I see. So I think that's where some of that is coming from. Oh, but I think they are yeah, also okay. doing... Yeah, I it's think that's that. really good, though. But I think they're they're doing some very cool stuff in this book. It's significantly yeah. more innovative than, you know, a larger mainline book. This thing's nestled on the side, kind of in the way that Squirrel Girl is sort of all over here a little bit. Um, and uh, even Moon Girl is sort of off in its own little world, doesn't have to interact specifically and directly with other events that are taking place. It can kind of do its own thing. And, yeah, they're running with it here. Yeah. That this book hasn't gotten, like, some press, I'm really surprised about. Yeah. Maybe it will with this issue. I I mean, we'll we'll see. We're not exactly press, but, I mean, at (laughs) least we're talking about it. Yeah. There's a story there, you know, in, in sort of a Black Lives Matter kind of platform. Yeah. Um, yeah, with actually like tons of like cool people of color in the main cast, mm-hmm. like his sidekick yeah. lady, who's like not even really his sidekick. She's like his robot person, <laughs> <laughs> who built him all his robots, yes. and is yeah. like, but you haven't named your robot owl yet. <laughs> I made you so many of them, and you won't even name them. It's so true. It's so true. Hootie hoo. I mean, you if want me to build a robot to assassinate people? Because I'll do that for you. <laughs> I'll do that's on that's in this issue. It is. It's true. Um, if he has a sidekick, it's the um, the not corrupt white cop. That's kind of his Jim Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just a really great scene, also, because that cop is so awkward. He is. It's he's, delightful. He's like, uh, yeah, I just needed some help with with me. I'm sorry, people are racist. Yeah. And Nighthawk's awesome. like, well, at least you noticed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tremendous. This really is, tremendous. That's what I, ex- that's the least I could expect. What's next, Austin? Um, since I, oh, I guess I have the pilot. Uh, do we want to do Rebirths now? Sure. <laughs> Let's, so, so Flash Rebirth came out and 
Spoiler alert, something actually happens, and it's not the same thing that's happened in every Flash and every Rebirth comic so far. Second spoiler alert, I don't care, though. <laughs> Wally West isn't even in this issue. No, he's not. Well, the other the Wally other West, West, West is. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the African-American the Wally yeah. West yeah. is in it? Okay. He's in that. Yeah, yeah he just kind of is in some panels, and he's like, it's really cool that my Aunt Iris knows the Flash. Yeah. And Barry's like, I also... Oh wait, there's a crime. <laughs> yeah, there's a crime I also kind of. Oh, hold on. BRB. So here's a weird thing. Yeah, there's two Wally Wests. Yeah. What the fuck is going on? Here, here's another weird thing. They introduce. Oh, spoiler! In this one, spoiler. Another speedster. Someone got hit by another, lightning again. Another person gets hit by lightning. Now they can run fast. Woo! You know what's exciting? When every character in this book is either shooting a gun with ice in it, running really fast, or throwing a boomerang. What I'm hoping is that that character isn't actually a speedster. He's actually, like, the sloth. That would be amazing. <laughs> so I would take it all back. He moves slow. No, I would take some of it back. And when other characters get close to him, they move slow. Be great. He all just right. absorbs, absorbs speed. An anti-speed force? An anti-speed force, yeah. Whoa, If that's the case, like I could Like the dark could matter of speed force? Yes. If he touches Barry Allen, the world explodes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, their forbidden love. DC Rebirth, hire me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ruin everything, but in the most interesting way. <laughs> the art in the book is good. Yeah, I, I love the art. Who's the creative team on that? Written by uh, Joshua Williamson. Yeah. Uh, art by Carmen Domenico. Sure. Which is really excellent. Uh, colorist uh, Ivan uh, Placencia, uh, lettering by Steve Wands, and our cover art by Carl Kirsch. The book is not a bad looking book. No, it's no. pretty. You know the art. The art's nice. It was. If you're super it was into, readable. If you're super into Flash lore, you'll probably really like it. Oh yeah. I should. I should specify that. I, it's not for me, but like if you're a Flashhead, is that what those are called? Flashheads. Flashers. Flasher? They're, they're not called Flashers. Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> The thing, okay, so this is the another thing that bums me out is, so you've, you've rebirthed. Yep. But in the process of rebirthing, you still didn't take your Flash and make it pretty parallel to your very popular TV Flash. Nope. At all. Nope. And that's a big mistake, in my opinion. Yep. And I don't understand that. I mean, yeah, people are complaining about some stuff with Arrow, sure, yeah. but like... Why isn't Green Arrow a lot closer to Arrow? Yeah, I mean, maybe they're getting, maybe they're getting there. I don't know. No, yeah, Oliver but... Queen's old in Green Arrow now. Is he it's old? Old again? Oliver Queen. Oh, yeah, it's okay. it's uh, hippie facial hair, Oliver Queen. Well, I mean, he could have hippie facial hair at any age. Yeah, but almost he's, any he's, age. Yeah, he's not in his twenties. Oh, okay. Well, well yeah. Black Canary is right. I don't know. Black Canary's old again. Uh, she might be in Green Arrow. Okay, so they got their ten years back. Probably. Oh, interesting. Sure. Sure, yeah. why not? Um, so Flash Rebirth, uh, anyone want to read another Flash? Um, I don't know anything about the Flash, really, so I thought this was fine. I thought it was okay story, but like maybe if you know a lot more about the Flash, you're like, I feel I've seen all these things before, and it's old, but I like that there's lightning all over his costume now, because <laughs> that's a really good art choice. I think you are completely correct in all of those assumptions. Uh, so if you wanted to pick up Flash and like get into the universe, this is probably a really good point for you to do that. It's nothing like the TV show. 
Also, not like any TV show that I've seen. No. And, Thank God. Uh, <laughs> uh, Aquaman Rebirth number one came out. I think this is close to, remember on Entourage when um, the <laughs> lead character of Entourage did the Aquaman movie? I think it was this Aquaman. I think this is the Aquaman oh. and that was. I also don't blame the creative team for this. Like, I, I really like Dan Abnett. Just fucking stop with Aquaman. No. He's a stupid character to carry his own book. It doesn't make any sense. If you want him in the Justice League showing up periodically, cool. Do that. He can't... All of his books are... Whoa, there's somebody that's in Aquaman's close circle is related to the Black Manta. Which one? Here comes Black Manta. He's trying to kill Aquaman because he's a bad man. My head's giant. I got a big egg head and I wear black spandex. I'm going to kill you, Aquaman. I'm evil because my speech bubbles are also evil. (laughs) Just like, oh, Aquaman is like, I feel bad because for like 30 years, the joke has been that Aquaman is garbage. It's not an original joke. But the fact is, Aquaman has been garbage throughout that entire time. Like Peter David had, I think, had an interesting run where he had a hook for a hand. Yeah, the the hook hand. The story wasn't interesting. He just had a hook for a hand. (laughs) The story wasn't terrible. No. But it wasn't especially good. I don't think any of these... I'm sure some of them are terrible. Yeah. Most of the Aquaman stories that I've read aren't terrible. They're just not fucking interesting either. Yeah. And this is another one. It's like, so you have, um, you have Cal Drogo that's going to be Aquaman soon. Maybe make your Aquaman a little more like Cal Drogo. Yeah. At least he'd be attractive. Okay. That's a good start. (laughs) Yeah. This Aquaman, it's the Aquaman that looks like he recorded a country album in 1972. He looks really sleazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Used he does too look much hair sleazy. gel. Like he used so much hair gel that his hair won't go be out of place when he dives into the water. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like he waterproofed his own hair. <laughs> it's not waterproofing hair. What he does is he puts a, he puts a solution in it that actually keeps water. It retains water. <laughs> the hair retains the water the whole time because that helps him. Because he gets a little weird when he's like, oh, no, that's Namor. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this, at least Aquaman's not trying to hook up with Reed Richards' wife. Yeah, it's true. Aquaman has his own wife, who is just... Or at least fiancé. Are they... They, I think they, they were got, married at some They were married continuity prior point. to New 52. Okay. I'm pretty sure that somewhere in the rebirthness, they're at least engaged. Okay. Um, which is fine. They're... She is betrothed to him. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. She says, I am betrothed to the king of Atlantis, Arthur. I don't get nervous. There you go. Wow. This is the kind of dialogue you can expect from Aquaman Rebirth. <laughs> it's it's interesting. You choose to reboot your universe. You choose to unreboot your universe. But there's still... It doesn't seem like there's a lot of... Um, intelligence behind the choices that are being made in rebirth in in reintroducing these characters no i mean this is a number one it functions basically like another a number one yeah but i don't know what the hook is that's particularly interesting that would get people to read it and if you're gonna have a book starring men who are fish you gotta have a hook Let, let's move to another book please yeah <laughs> Writer Dan Abnett, as mentioned previously, uh, penciler Brad Walker, uh, inker by Andrew Hennessy. So we're done with DC now. Yeah. Uh, I've been done with DC for years. Quickly talk about Civil War choosing sides. It's, uh, something happens. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, Choosing Sides is an anthology book. It's got a bunch of short stories. Yeah. Uh, different people an, and their interactions with 
yeah. uh, what's going on as far as uh, vis-a-vis the uh, the the pend- impending civil war. Yeah. So There's a Declan Shalvey Nick Fury story, which essentially leaves us precisely where Nick Fury was left at the end of Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. in which he needs the world to think he's dead. They also show that that maybe isn't, and this is interesting to the Captain America world, maybe really isn't a Hydra thing going on at all right now. Yeah. That there's a weird shield thing going on. Possibly. Yeah. Um, there's a Night Thrasher story by Brandon Easton with art by Paul Davidson. Which I actually enjoyed because Night Thrasher apparently yeah. does not like Tony Stark at all. No. And um, that made for an interesting dynamic. Um, as Tony's kind of so this the, a lot of this stuff takes place during that um, initial battle with the big celestial thingy from issue one um, and Tony's like yay Night Thrasher and Night Thrasher's like yeah go fuck yourself Tony <laughs> um, so it makes for an interesting dynamic and not a terrible little story no. and you figure there's probably a reason that each one of these characters shows up. You figure that there's they will probably appear again somewhere else in the midst of the main story. At least I'd like to think that. And we'll on see. that topic, the third story, and there's a TV show in the works for these guys, so it's good that they're back working again. Damage Control's back. Is there, I remember a rumor about that. It's, Are they? St- is that still moving? Th- as far as I know, they're still working on that. Shit. Uh, this is written by Chad Bowers and Chris Sims. Not Dave Sim, Chris Sims. <laughs> Uh, arc by Leonardo Romero. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a fun story. All three of these were fun. I just, I'm not invested in the Civil War story right now. I might be when it comes out in trade. But for right now, I'm like, yeah, it's another event comic. It's not bad at all. Pretty good. I um, I like Civil War so far. Like, yeah, the, Okay, so the thing that I don't like is the best villains that you have are other heroes. Mm-hmm. Sure, whatever. Yeah. Um, this is like, it's one of those like shades of gray stories that kind of gets on my nerves. Isn't it more of a shade of a, <sighs> that kind of shade? Yeah, sure it is. Um, <laughs> what? The what... <laughs> <laughs> Making I, um... loud slurping sounds while someone's trying to talk to you. Mm-hmm. That's shade. Yeah, that is shade. This is hardcore shade. Now I don't remember what I was talking about. Shades of gray. The Billy Joel song. I could, I could, I could live without heroes fighting heroes. Yeah. Um, I don't mind that they pull they pull this little trick out of their bag every now and then. That's like I can it's tolerable. It's every other year right now. Um, yeah, and that's the thing is like we're not that far off from AVX. And yeah. What I do like is that eventually it's going to come to a point where there's going to be Tony's side, there's going to be Ca- uh, Carol Danvers' side, there's going to be the Inhuman side, and then I'm pretty sure there's going to be the X Men side also. Yeah. And maybe there'll be other players as well. Uh, and then there's also the Thanos subplot, because apparently you can't have a Marvel event book without Thanos being in the fucking background for no good reason. I don't mind them trying to tell these other little stories, because maybe something catches fire. Right. Maybe there's enough of a spark in something here that they can take one of these characters and do something with them after the fact. I mean, they've tried it before with Night Thrasher. They've tried it. Damage Control's had their own damn book. Uh, new Nick Fury has, hasn't had his own book. Is that a miniseries, I think? Maybe. But... Like having a Nick Fury around, in, as far as I'm concerned, is always good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this Nick Fury is just as competent and capable as his uh, as his dad, who's attached to the moon or whatever. So I don't know if that's still moon a thing. Girl? Yeah. Nick Fury's attached to Moon Girl. That's there is a decided age difference. Yeah, that's those gross. Two. That's that rough. straight up disgusting. He was in World War Two. Yeah. She's no, nine. It? Maybe that's his original sin. 
<laughs> That's getting edited out. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you don't know that. What other books have come out this week? Um, yeah, so the last in the Marvel set is going to be Star Wars The Force Awakens, a.k.a. the movie Star Wars The Force Awakens, but now in convenient comic form. Nothing happens that you did not already see four times when you saw Star Wars The Force Awakens in theaters, or as the cover of this book says, Star The Force Awakens Wars. Oh, sorry. Um, Moving on. Yeah, they were so good with Star Wars and Darth Vader, and then... <sighs> Chewbacca was good. Lando was good. Leia was good. Han Solo Since was good. Han Solo was acceptable. This is this is this it's is just, just a, a thing. Yeah. It's just a, you know, it's just like th- this is part of them owning the license. Is yeah. that eventually they're going to put out a comic based around the movie? Yeah. Why is it so late? Who knows? We have two books by Image this week. Um, the first one is ID by Emma Rios, uh, which started out as an islands. Yeah, it was in the Island Anthology. Uh, But she's fleshed it out, and it's now a sort of... Is this a book? Is this like a trade? It's a trade paperback. Yeah. um, It's really nice. It's like uh, this muted red color scheme, uh, which is really appealing. It looks like it's like the the 48-page, like, prestige-bound version. Maybe a little bit larger than that as far as page count goes. Yeah. Um, Um, But it's nice. It's like like a small trade. It's uh, it's only $9.99. Well, it only uh, has one damn trade. color, so why yeah. not? <laughs> it's it has sort two, of a, there's white. <laughs> <laughs> it takes place in sort of like a weird, almost dystopian future, um, and there's these three people who meet because they've all agreed to be a part of this experiment where they do body transplants, essentially. Mm. And so, like, one of them is um, a trans man who really wants to be in, like, a body that he feels like is more appropriate to how he feels because uh, he's, like, really tiny and it makes him feel weak. Um, one's like, a bored white lady. One's a bored white lady who I don't. Anyway, uh, and then one's like a convict. I think is one a nine-year-old girl that wants to be in a dinosaur. No, no. <laughs> oh, that's That'd a, be a great book. crossover to the. <laughs> uh, I would also read the shit out of a Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur side story by Emma Rios. Oh yeah, that'd be um, great. Anyway, so it's an interesting story. Um, the art's nice. I do wish that there were like maybe a little bit of black in it, because um, the dark red is sometimes not enough. Yeah. To but, break things up. Yeah. yeah. To break things up. I can see that. Um, but it's still really beautiful. Uh, and it's like an interesting. It's pretty different from other stuff. Also, pretty different from other stuff is She Wolf. Richard which, Tommaso book. Richard Tommaso. Um, I have no idea what happened in this. It was really weird. Lady get, gets werewolf attacked. And over the course of the book, slowly starts turning into a werewolf. I don't think by that's the what happens. I don't think that's it, though. I think no. she accidentally turned her boyfriend into a werewolf, maybe, I, it and he attacked her. It is strongly inferred that the at the beginning, there's a dude who's a werewolf yeah. who's her boyfriend yeah. who gets killed. Okay. And when she goes back to her school, she's talking with the principal, and he's basically like, everyone, bl-, she imagines him saying, everyone blames you for this. Uh-huh. So we're going to let you stay here because we feel bad for you because your boyfriend is dead. But you kind of turned him into a werewolf, and that's why he got shot by the cops, oh. is what I came away with. I missed yeah, that part. Because, um, like, one of the very last things is that you see she has, like, this spell book of shape-shifting spells. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I don't know if I liked it, but it's interesting. It's very interesting. Uh, the art looks very different from other things. The colors are great. Um, Richard Tommaso, who did this, also has a trade paperback that came out this week of uh, Dark Corridor. 
which was his anthology yeah. series by Dark Horse, which got canceled, sadly. Yes. But on the plus side, he appears to be just doing his short stories as one-shot issues now. Which and is I'm great. all right with that. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. It was a good-looking issue. I apparently need to reread it. Um, <laughs> and that's fine. Uh, but yeah, is uh, that was fun. That's some good stuff. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, that is pretty of, much it. I ran out of the stack of number ones that I was handed. Um, I still haven't tracked down Scooby-Doo Apocalypse number two. <laughs> it's my mission. Soon. We'll get there. Uh, a random assortment of things that came out this week. There's a Disney Finding Nemo and a Finding Dory book that came out. Uh, there's another God is Dead trade from Arkea. Or no, sorry, from Avatar Press. Some Jinky Crow. Drinky Crow, so there's some new Tony Millionaire. There's a Neil Gaiman prose collection that came out. Last week, actually, we didn't talk about this. Neil Gaiman came out with a book with Fabio Moon and Gabrielle Ba. Yeah. How to Talk to Girls at Parties, and it is... Oh, that's based on one of his short stories. Is it? It's, yeah. It's really weird because it also reads like a Fabio Moon, Gabrielle Ba book because it's about two brothers. Yeah. And about two brothers who like find aliens at a party, right? I didn't apparently read far enough into the book because it didn't seem like aliens to me. It just seemed like a kind of boring story. Uh, oh, I have to reread it because um, I love all three of those creators. And I was like 20 pages into it and I was like, oh, my God, why am I reading this? Other than for the cool art. Well, I guess yeah. we'll have to revisit that one as well. Uh, there's a complete collection of DC New Frontier in one big book. Buy it. Yeah. Do yourself a favor. Uh, NYX collection. Yeah, they is collected this? all of NYX, the Marjorie Liu run, as well as the Joe Casada run. Yeah, and so there's a lot of rumors that uh, X23 is going to be in the new Wolverine movie. Which makes sense. So um, if you want to get caught up on that character, that's a good way to do that. How about uh, some X-Men Inferno? Yeah. Your favorite crossover. The second, it's not my favorite crossover. <laughs> <laughs> but there is, there is uh, X-Men Inferno is out again. Uh, book two which uh, catches you up if you bought book one and you're like, but what happens next? Uh, This will bring you to the end of the story. Everything works out. The satisfying conclusion in which everything's turned back to normal by the end, except the clone ex-wife is never heard from again until several years later. Until eventually she is. Uh, James Bond by Warren Ellis uh, is in a hardcover collection. If, uh, James Bond and Warren Ellis are things you like. You might want to check it out. I enjoyed what I've read of it. Grant Morrison's 18 Days, still coming out in trade, even though it existed originally as a hardcover, and then as comics, now it's a trade. And uh, uh, there's a giant Northlanders. So uh, tune in tune in next week. Good night, and... Got uh... bets. Hey. Nelson and Murdoch shirts. Mm-hmm. Even though, I guess it's now just Nelson and season <laughs> three of As It back. Should Be. Yeah. Matt Murdoch is the worst lawyer. He doesn't even show up to court. That's pretty ableist. Pretty ableist of you, Austin. I'm, I'm disappointed. Ableist? You're saying blind people can't be lawyers. <laughs> I'm saying assholes aren't good lawyers. That's patently untrue. (laughs) (laughs) Assholes who show up are good lawyers.
Yeah. Assholes who are dedicated to something other than fighting crime with their ex-girlfriend and having weird dates with their secretary. 